episode number 25 of Self-Help Satnav, the show where I signpost you in the right direction of self-help tools that can help you deal with anxiety, stress, depression, trust issues, and relationship breakdowns. Today we're going to be looking at the subject of resistance and how you can begin to reduce the stress of a heavy workload in your high-pressured work environment. Have you ever wondered whether this is as good as it gets? Or are you determined to take a stand and keep fighting? Sometimes I switch between the two. And whilst I don't know whether workplaces will ever take better care of their employees, I do know this. Resistance is necessary. Without resistance, nothing changes, nothing gets better, and stress only gets worse. So what is resistance? Well, resistance is the refusal to accept or comply. It's the ability to be unaffected by something adverse. Resistance isn't always easy. The forces against you can seem insurmountable. You've probably heard of the popular science fiction-rooted meme, Resistance is Futile. And I think this occurred first back in Star Trek The Next Generation, when the Borgs touted Resistance is Futile, at the humans to wear them down. And just like many oppressive forces, they claimed invincibility. Fortunately, this proved to be not true in the end. And there are many real-life examples of successful resistance movements. In World War II, resistance movements across Europe were key to the eventual defeat of the German armies. They gathered vital intelligence and destroyed communications. It was highly dangerous work, and if security lapsed, then the Gestapo would swoop in and arrest or execute you to deter others from taking up the cause. Now, powerful oppressors don't just exist in wartime or in science fiction. They're around us now. In politics and large corporations, the rich and privileged take care of their own, often to the detriment of all others. The recent backlash to the sexual abuse of children and adolescents by TV and radio personalities and the Me Too campaigns against sexual harassment and assault show the scale of devastation that has been perpetrated against children and women. The actions of people in our families and workplace can also feel oppressive. Controlling parents or partners make you feel too scared to do what you want. Colleagues or managers can subtly bully you through exclusion and silence when you make reasonable requests of them. And instead of creating a community where you feel safe, somewhere where you belong, you feel ignored, unimportant or downtrodden. And oppression can also come from within. Your mind can be your oppressor. Your worries, your anxieties and your fears can rule the roost. Feelings of hopelessness, despair, shame and anger can get deep inside you. What you think and feel can exert control and influence over what you do and how you cope. For example, to cope with the stress of a heavy workload, you probably overwork. 
you might work long hours, or when you're at work, you run around trying to get lots done, rarely slowing down or taking a rest. The pressure to get stuff done can lead to other so-called de-stressing behaviours, like overeating, drinking too much, going to bed late, watching lots of telly, withdrawing socially or becoming over-dependent on other people. These strategies, whilst alleviating stress in the short term, can cause lots of negative effects that make your stress worse in the long run. Another clear and present danger with overwork and these so-called stress-busting strategies is that they can become habits. You rely on them to cope and they can become automatic and restrictive. You feel like it's the only way you can get through or it feels challenging to break. And these habits end up taking on the power of an oppressive force that can feel difficult to resist. So what can you learn from successful resistance movements? Not all resistance movements have been successful. If a movement fails to mobilise its masses, then it fails in its objective. Those that have mobilised have done so through organisation and through planning. And one thing is clear. Resistant movements do not eliminate the existence of oppression forever and always. The Borgs were heavily defeated, but they could return. The Nazi party and the Third Reich were destroyed, but neo-Nazis and right-wing nationalists still exist. Child abusers and misogynists are rife, and while we can do our best to protect our children and respect our women, unfortunately I cannot envisage a time or a world where it never happens. Just because resistance isn't all-powerful, it doesn't mean its movements aren't fruitful. Resistance moves us forwards as human beings. Instead of conforming to what has tended to be, we take a stand and say, I'm going to do something about this. And the best way to do that is to organise yourself with others and plan your strategy so you can act cohesively and efficiently. And this remains true and helpful when it comes to reducing your stress at work. You'll have an easier time changing attitudes and cultures if you can find some allies. People don't create large-scale changes on their own. Changing habits like overwork also require organisation and planning. That's the way you change a habit. It's the way I've changed my own habits and it's the way I've helped countless others change theirs. Without organisation and planning, people tend to do what they've always done. They revert to type. They do what's familiar and automatic. Successful habit changes must be scheduled. So how motivated are you to make a change to your working ways? And in psychology, we're often exploring this concept of motivation to make a change, we need the motivation to do it. If you don't have the motivation to work less hard, then quite simply, you won't. But what is motivation? Motivation isn't merely willpower. I think it's more useful to think of it as having three components. 
Readiness, willingness and ability. Motivation requires the readiness to change. Readiness captures your capacity to make a change now. You might feel bored in your job and want more responsibility, for example. But if you've got small children, then it might not be the best time. However, when they get a bit older, you might feel more ready. Motivation, I said, also requires a willingness to change. And to be willing, you need to be able to see into the future, or at least to imagine it. To work less, I need to have a vision that my life will improve if I were to do that. And without a convincing enough gain, I'm, I'm unlikely to make that commitment. And then thirdly, motivation to change requires an ability. This is about your perceived level of confidence. Do you believe you've got the necessary skills to make the change you want? Or do you need to learn anything new to help you be more successful in your advances? Motivation naturally fluctuates. Your readiness, willingness and confidence can go up and it can go down. It's also natural to feel ambivalent. You feel ambivalent when you're not sure you have the motivation. On the one hand you'd like to work less, but on the other hand you wouldn't. On the one hand you can imagine feeling less stressed, but on the other hand you might feel guilty if you were to do less. So you feel stuck between a rock and a hard place. And when you feel like that, you tend to keep doing what you've always done, i.e. overworking. When you comply with the pressure to overwork, you're doing it for some purpose. You get something out of it that seems to benefit you. Feeling less guilty is something you gain, so the drive to overwork continues. Its power comes from the fear of feeling guilt and the reinforcement of not feeling it too often. Your mind, although this might be outside your awareness, concludes that it's best to keep working hard. And so in this final section of this episode, I'm going to show you a four-step protocol for overcoming the pressure to work hard all the time. It will help you to feel less stressed, less angry and less frustrated and less hopeless that it will ever get better. It's a protocol that I've created and it's based on what I've spoken to you about today. It's called Resistance is Necessary. Four steps to reducing stress by changing the way you work. Step one, get safe. There are various ways to make yourself safe. Let's first consider other people who might be sources of oppression and continued stress. Work pressures might come from other people's expectations or actions. If this is happening, recall details of any of these things. Recall details of any bullying. Date and timestamp it. Avoid being alone with anyone who you don't trust. Tell someone you know what's happening. Record that and ask them to write it down as well. Getting safe is about protection that you can have for yourself now and in the days, weeks and months ahead. Get safe by surrounding yourself with people who care about you and who can protect you. People who can shield you from what's happening or make you stronger to cope with that oppression. Build alliances and a stronger community. What can you do to increase your safety? 
Step two, understand why you comply to keep working hard. Remember, all actions have a purpose. So if you keep working hard, then you'll be getting something out of it. You'll be gaining somehow. In what way are you gaining? Seek to understand what you gain from submitting to hard work so much. What are the prizes? What do you get to avoid or reduce the risk of? What tells you to work long hours or work fast? Complete this sentence for yourself. I work hard a lot because... So in this step, you're getting to know the drivers for hard work. And once you've done that, you'll understand why it's so difficult to resist. Step three, identify all the costs of compliance. As well as the benefits, there'll be costs to your constant hard work. What are they? How does it negatively impact you day to day? What are the long-term implications of working so hard? And how does it make things worse directly? How do you suffer indirectly? Does it cost your freedom, your sanity, your well-being? What are the costs of surrendering to the pressure to work hard? So the skill in this step is to list as many costs as you can so you can increase your motivation to do something about it. Resistance is necessary and to make a start you'll need more of a reason to stop working so damn hard. You'll need to shine a big bright light on the negative effects of what you're doing. Step four, organize to mobilize. Productive movements of resistance successfully mobilize, whether that's groups of people confronting unacceptable persecution and aggression, or you mobilizing yourself to tackle your own mind. Organisation helps you to break unhelpful habits of doing nothing. And going along with it for fear of repercussions is doing nothing. When you stay quiet, it might keep you safe in the short term. But compliance gives all the power to the oppressor. In extreme circumstances, yes, escape may be the best option. And staying quiet may bide you time whilst you plan your escape. But... That's still organisation. Remember, you find strength in numbers. Join or form a community. Discuss and agree a purpose. Plan what you'll do, how you'll do it, and when you'll do it. Build a strategy that helps you tackle unfair work pressures as a group. And when there's no obvious or strong external oppressor, you'll need to look within. Turn your attention to the pressure you place on yourself. Organise your time to do something different so that you can begin to break those habits. Again, plan what, how and when you'll change your work habits. Do you need to reduce your work hours? If so, plan to work less hours by setting a time and a day that you'll leave earlier. If you need to slow down, then plan your breaks. When and for how long? Or delay taking on new tasks until you've examined your diary. Look at the next eight weeks and identify, one, what am I doing and how much time does that take? Two, what will this extra work take me? Three, can I do the job justice?
and four, do I need to stop any current work to do this new work? Changing habits can seem like an uphill battle. They don't go away overnight. Resistance is necessary if you want to reduce your workload. Taking on more and more with few breaks or consideration about your existing commitments will only get you more stress and increase the risk of burnout. Take these four steps to build your resistance and begin changing the way you work. Try it and test it. By putting it into action, you'll give yourself the opportunity to discover if it will work for you. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in and see you again next time.